Ah, you're a merchant. That's what Sarah and Cornelius claim. You're talking heresy, Doctor. Hmm. Of course. Well, suppose I am a mutant. How can the appearance of one mutant send you into a panic? Because you're not unique. There's the one you call Landon. Oh, then you admit that... I admit that where there's one mutant, there's probably another and another and another, a whole nest of them. Where is your nest, Taylor? Where are your women? Thank you. Thank you for calling me Taylor. Dr. Zayas, I know who I am. But who are you? How in hell did this upside-down civilization get started? Uh, you may well call it upside-down since you occupy its lowest level, and deservedly so. Our eastern desert has never been explored because we've always assumed that life cannot exist there. Taylor, save yourself. Tell me, is there another jungle beyond the Forbidden Zone? I don't know. If you're trying to protect others of your kind, it'll cost you your identity. I'm not protecting anyone. This whole thing is insane. What have I done? A walking pestilence. I do know who you are, Taylor. I'll give you just six hours to make a full confession. After that, I shall use surgery to obtain one. Guards! All right, you can cut pieces out of me. You've got the power. Return this creature to his cage. But you do it out of fear. Remember that! Remember that! Because you're afraid of me! What are you afraid of, Doctor? You wear your gloves when you handle humans. You're getting soft, Limbo. You normally hack off a limb. Uh, yes, Joe. <laughs> That's true. But uh, unfortunately, they're worth more intact. Keep your eye on this one. He's feisty. the ones that have been raiding the orchards, sir? I know an old country remedy that never fails. First, you simply gut one human and you string the carcass up. The human rights faction are nipping at my heels already. Oh, do-gooders. Who needs them? I mean, I'm all for free speech as long as they keep their mouths shut. I promised my niece a pet for her birthday. Excellent. Oh, the little ones make wonderful pets. Oh, but be sure you get rid of it by puberty. The one thing you don't want in your house is a human teenager. Oh, yes. Anyone you'd like, sweetheart. That one. Oh, 
of the house. Oh, here we are for Split the Difference. Oh, I've so been wanting to do this episode for so long now. I'm your host, Jesse. Today we have Seth. I'm ready to talk about monkey religion. Yes, and uh, we also have uh, joining us from the Men of Steel and uh, what's the other podcast you do, Case? Another Pass. Another Pass, that's it. Yes, we have Case from uh, Another Pass and Men of Steel. How are you, Case? I am doing well. I, I am very cool with the fact that the franchise that we were talking about today is very quickly becoming my brand. I, I'm yeah. okay with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Case on his other podcast uh, went through everything related to this franchise. And so we're going to get into all that pretty soon. Today, yeah, in we were reverse order. To... Oh, oh, oh <laughs> in reverse God. Order. That's wow. horrifying. Oh, God. Okay. So we're going to get into it now. We're talking about Planet of the Apes, the original film from 1968, directed by... Franklin J. Schaffner? How do you say? Yeah, Schaffner. Schaffner. That, you... that looks close. Okay. Versus the 2001 remake directed by Tim Burton. Oh, man. This is going to be an interesting one. All right. <laughs> so, uh, original film. Probably considered one of the most important and probably quotable science fiction films of the 1960s. Ooh. I mean, think of how many I... quotes are in this original movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'll see your quote. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's. I remember seeing this as a kid, and I really was. I, I remember, and I was like, "This is kind of weird. It's very unsettling." Even as a kid, I was kind of like, "Something just feels weird about this. Just something's just up." It just really kind of made me uneasy. And then I remember mm. watching the sequel, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and I was like, "Wow, this sucks." <laughs> so yep, I kind of yep. stopped there. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. The franchise gets really good for a while there, and then it has some lulls, and then it gets really good again for the remakes that we more recently went through with uh, with Andy Circus. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to those. Yeah, I've I've seen. I have not seen everything. Uh, Case, you uh, went through on your show. You went through every single film. Is that correct? Well, so we did the classic series. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, in five. reverse order we did all five and we've done the the 2001 movie before um the the format for the show is really similar to film rescue where we talk about what we would have done to fix him um mm-hmm. and so discussing stealing, the first... are you stealing our shit <laughs> <laughs> parallel thinking we actually <laughs> them right around the same time oh yeah, right yeah. On. Nice. 
uh, and, nice. in the same general part of the country too, which is really weird. Uh, but yeah, that's strange. <laughs> We're thinking about movies down here. Yeah, man, you know. Yeah, very. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we so most episodes we talk about movies and how we would fix them, and then every five episodes we look at movies that had really big production issues and say, okay, well, this is the proof of concept. This is someone who. Ha- this is a, a movie that like had to deal with that and like actually overcame it all. And so we thought it'd be really fun to go in reverse order where when you're talking about Battle for the Planet of the Apes, the entire franchise up until that point had happened. So you're like trying to pitch how you would fix it under like that tight of a budget with, you know, yeah. with so much continuity going into it and all of those elements. So lo- looking at those five was eye opening and especially going in reverse order and you know, working our way to what is the classic one, uh, it, it was w- was just wild. Also, also the franchise uh, was in response to a lot of socio-political things going on in the 60s and 70s, uh, oh, yeah. responding yeah. really well. And it hits real different now from when I like watched it. Likewise, when I was like a kid and it was on like sci-fi channel and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, this is based around the civil rights movement. Uh, uh, you can definitely see... Uh, the political stratosphere of uh, civil rights, uh, the the black movement trying to in, becoming integrated within American society. And also, mm-hmm. if you look at it now with what's happening in Florida and across the entire country with LGBTQ movements and then trying to not be pulled under a uh, theocratic fascist regime. Ron to fascist. If you become it's, president, I swear to God. It's a little telling that the source material is satire. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like when Handmaid's Tale came out. It's like, oh, this is this will never happen. And now you look at it in Florida. This is happening. It's yeah, happening. Ronda like it's, yeah. Or, <laughs> oh, God. I remember reading about uh, the Judge Dredd comics universe in the content of the comics compared to the real world of America. Now, there are more people incarcerated in America now than there are in the Judge Dredd comics. Judge Dredd was a satire. No. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, there are more people incarcerated in the real world than there are in the actual comics. This was never meant to be a blueprint, guys. It was meant to be a joke. They have prison countries in Judge Dredd. (laughs) They have prison planets in Judge Dredd. Wow. (sighs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. America. With with that in mind, let's look back at a movie from the 60s. With that in mind, let's look at uh, a movie that's about being pulled in under a theocratic regime. Um, So, uh, I want to say right now, visually, this movie, the effects don't quite hold up. The, the, The mass and the makeup, great for the time, don't quite look so good now. But, I would argue that this particular visual palette is more believable than everything in the remake. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> look, the, the, the remake has a lot of good things going into it. Maybe not out of it, but going into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what, the, what's the politics of the of the world in the remake? Well, yeah, that's a, yes. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there you go. The, you don't yeah, know what the, the hell any of it stands for. The, the biggest thing about the remake is that it is not really trying to say anything. I don't think Tim Burton. Yeah. Like Tim Burton has stuff to say. And like his immediate next movie was Big Fish, which I yeah. has like very clear thoughts about storytelling and mythologizing. And yeah. all this. But I think I, I think Tim Burton typically works best when talking about very personal narratives and not larger yeah. societal ones. And he's not a political tr- guy. 
Right. I mean, like, look, the the original Planet of the Apes movie, when you look at it from the perspective of it being uh, like a Rod Serling script that was, you know, Mm. you know, there were iterations after that. But he, you know, contributed the bulk of the big things people care about, like the Statue of Liberty scene and things like that, where. Yeah. If you look at it as being the best Twilight Zone movie that ever has been made. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, I, was, I love that lens. I was literally I thinking it's a Twilight Zone episode. It's just extended out to ninety minutes. Right, yeah, exactly. Or, no, and two the, hours. It's two hour film. Yeah, it's two hour film. Yeah, and so so when you come from that perspective and you acknowledge, like, okay, yeah, you know, the the makeup doesn't hold up just by virtue of the fact that uh, it doesn't, but there was a lot of craft and care put into it. So like, the the makeup in the original holds up a lot better than the makeup in the second one. We'll say. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, beneath the Planet of the Apes is bad <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. all i mean all like all of the successive ones like even the ones that are really good just have almost no budget like each one has oh, yeah. a smaller yeah. budget than the one before it by the time you like honestly I, while battle has the bad rep as being like the the bad one of the originals like the because it's so cheap um the fact that it was made period is sort of just like oh i'll golf clap for that that was actually quite quite impressive that you got that out there um yeah yeah when we talked about that one on your show um i i was i pointed out how similar it looked to mad max like it was very similar kinds of filmmaking happening and i love that that brand is what kind of got us into the action cinema we have today so it's a little chintzy now looking back on it but it's not it's really not uh anything but like a great expression of how much people loved the series to continue it forward like that absolutely so looking at the first one though like there is a good size budget for it it was still like a a giant battle to get made um and also they learned a lot of lessons on this one that they clearly like shifted for all the future ones such as don't film these like makeup heavy like outfits with people wearing fur and all this stuff in the summer in california <laughs> like uh right. so, so when we talk about the makeup being bad like people are are almost passing out makeup is is just like melting off Dude, of people's bodies like heston is borderline purple in some scenes that oh man yeah is dying of heat stroke yeah mm. and like there were some like near deaths on set just from heat stroke because like most of the the people in the mat or in the eight masks were not able to consume or, or drink anything without like special straws that could go down this like elongated mouth that they had yeah. oh man i mean there this is an argument for why cgi in those uh the net new trilogy is so important because that way you don't have the actors almost on the verge of death on set <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Well, and, and that was kind of the point, right, is they, they were looking back at this original series going, this series did something for makeup in movies. It made it it made you take seriously something that we take for granted now in Guardians 3. There's an entire planet that looks oh, yeah. like like today's version of Planet of the Apes with other animals, you know? And That's and a good get, point. I never even realized that. Holy shit, you're absolutely right. Holy yeah, God. We, we don't get there without this. And then they were, they're doing the same thing with the new series where it's now digital makeup, digital yeah. actors, digital yeah. painting. And they're saying the same thing. Hey, let's, let's take this to the next level. Andy Circus and, and honestly, poor uh, Kebble. I know you hate him, Jesse, but uh, driving it's kidding Timbo with Lindell. <laughs> they, they were both robbed for Oscars for those performances. Like genuinely straight up robbed yeah. because they were doing the, they, they took the same spirit of this original series of like, no, no, take these fucking monkey masks seriously. Yeah. Like, take this really serious. 
Yeah, one of my my favorite moments with the new trilogy, and I know we're not really focusing on that, but I just want to like convey like what we're saying. Well, you're, to touch well, on it. well you're the expert, so we're going to discuss everything involving this series today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that I'm being considered an expert. That's fantastic. <laughs> You've but, watched everything. But, I've watched like maybe like three or four of these, and I'm like, I'm kind of done. I got uh, enough uh, out of it. That, that, that's I will true. probably never watch Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. It's supposed to be the oh, new one that's being made. You should watch Conquest is, is rather good. Oh, or wait, are you talking about the... There's a remake sorry, coming. The, the remake There's a remake coming. of oh, Conquest, which is going to be the fourth film in the new series. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, I, but I feel like I got everything I needed out of that trilogy, where it's like, Caesar's dead. Okay, movie's done. I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm tapping out. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just, just to talk about how like they were really trying to take seriously the effects going for these apes. Because the, the first two... They don't look perfect. Like, they don't blend in with everything around them. Partic- uh, yeah. I mean, it gets better with each one. But by the time you get to war, all of a sudden, it's like, looking very good. But um, I, I really like them in general, and I've watched them a lot. And so Dawn, I had ripped onto my computer because this was still back in the time where most of my movie watching was coming from a DVD. And I could rip it. And I was traveling on a, right. on a bus ride from, from New York down to the, uh, the D.C. area. Um, and I put it on, and I realized that it hadn't actually ripped the subtitles, um, which meant oh, no. that at the beginning of Dawn, it's about 20 minutes of apes entirely communicating with sign language. And yeah, it didn't it's have quiet. any subtitles, which was amazing to watch. I mean, like, again, I had already seen it. Like, I knew the movie very well, so it wasn't like I didn't know what they were saying roughly, but to just focus on those performances, to focus yeah. on the hands, the body language, the eyes, all these things that they're doing mocap for and really sell these performances. It was mind blowing to watch. And it's it's so cool that that's the genesis of this whole story. Uh, the original author was inspired by how lifelike apes were in his local zoo. That that was the the impetus for the book to be written uh, initially, and so I love that. That's and any good version of any of these movies we get has kind of that at the heart. That there's like a life likeness that needs to be delivered in this kind of story for people to really click and go, "Oh, we're talking about us, aren't we?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that new trilogy is like, oh god, it's so good looking. Although the last one is the, the titles were all fucked up though. Oh, yeah. Like, like, Rise and Dawn are synonyms. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And also, yeah. the third one's called War from the Planet of the Apes. No, it should be called Prison Escape from the Planet of the Apes. It's not a right. war. It's not a war well, movie. I mean, really, it should be Exodus of the Planet of the Apes, but they didn't oh, want yeah, to be yeah. quite so unsubtle with with how heavy-handed the end of the movie was. Yeah, right. yeah true, true. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk no, about no, the no. original film. So, anyways... Well, so, so talking about the original films, uh, yes, like, as a basic idea, and going piggybacking off of what Seth was saying in terms of like the human-like qualities of the apes. So, mm. the original movie, and and by extension, the original book, is dealing with this idea of like monkey see, monkey do. Um, it is uh, like literally doing the the aping of human gestures, and to the point where like when you take the humans out, the society keeps going, kind of yeah. element. Um, yeah. And I think that that's such a fascinating concept, and exploring how that means that it becomes so much broader and easily identified all the things that we're doing subtly that like modes of control way you know ways to do you know, like ways to strike society and put positions of power and so forth because to the point where like we're literally putting different species in it because that's how subtly unconsciously right. human society acts in the real world um yeah. 
And then you look at this movie or the, the, the remake, which has a lot of really good ideas in terms of like, oh, wouldn't this be fucking fun? Um, and then oh, like a couple yeah. of good <laughs> moments in terms of like thought like so like one thing that people often complain about the originals is that like the gorillas are like the enforcers. They're the cops like they're they're yeah. blue collar. They're not even subtle about it. Like when people are in cages, they're getting hit with like water hoses. Oh, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like where's this technology coming from? Like it doesn't matter because it's meant to be a visual representation of the civil rights movement. Right. You can oh, easily compare I, it to police footage in the 1960s. Yeah, I mean, like, you could make a justification for um, water pressure systems, like water towers and stuff. Like, they, they have, like, guns and other machines. It's just, like, very, like, craft. It's not, like, super industrialized. Um, and, but like, where do they had... get the ammunition from? Where do they build this stuff? Like, it, there's never there's no factories nearby. It's like... Well, not that we see, but... Well, yeah, but it just, it just feels like it's there because it's meant to be a direct kind of one-to-one synonym for what is happening politically in the world mm. at that time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the thought was, because in the book, they're, um, it's actually like an advanced society. They have, like, helicopters and stuff. Uh, yeah, as far as I know, none of this stuff is in the book. I've never read the book, but I've heard it's, like, nothing is from is lifted except for the general idea. The general idea, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. for one thing, they're, like, they're much more open to it. Honestly, the best adaptation of the book in terms of getting the, the story beats right is Escape from the Planet of the Apes, which is mm-hmm. where the two apes travel back to human society and then interact that way. Um, that actually, beat-wise, plays out much more one-to-one be- with just the species flipped. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, is that, so- is that the one where, where is it Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter go back in time yes. using the ship that... Okay, I have a few questions about that. Um, so, <laughs> sure. one, how'd they get the ship out of the water? Two... How did they know the ship was in that water? Three, how'd they learn how to fly the fucking thing? And four, <laughs> how'd they get the thing to actually get into the space before the planet blew up in the second movie? Um, none of those are explained in any satisfactory way. It's entirely... Sure, move it. moving on. <laughs> exactly. It, it's entirely like, oh, isn't it a good idea? Or isn't it good that our friend Dr. Milo here had the foresight to do all of this stuff? Damn, that was lucky of him. <laughs> Wow, right. so lucky. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I mean that's all of the Planet of the Apes movies before you get to the the new ones where it's just like do you kind of remember the one before? Okay, you're good. Like right. they don't want you to like know like solid details about anything. None of them make sense. In- include like even all the ones that are written by the same guy. Like the last, well, uh Battle has like uh multiple writers on it, but the the from beneath the Battle there is the same writer on every single one. And yeah. there's that- some Excellent lore stuff, and there's also continuity errors in every single movie. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny that the time travel in Tim Burton's one actually makes the mo- the most sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes more sense. God, of all the ones in the series. Uh, yeah. so, so it makes more sense than the than beneath and later. The first one makes sense because it's not actually time travel; it's travel time. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and that's actually something I'd like to talk about that I really appreciated on my most recent watch was I I had never come at the twist in the way of just assuming that it was not a twist. Like it, I, I think the the big takeaway in the remake is is comes from Tim Burton having watched the original and was was working off how it made him feel initially, yeah. and and that totally makes sense. Um, but I think in the original, the the twist as it's been presented isn't as much of a twist as it is like a a, a 
ironic punishment on the character. Like we've because yeah. from the get, they know that they're time traveling. The opening monologue is like, we're traveling seven hundred years into the future. So regardless of where yeah. he ends up, he knows he's gonna be in the future. It's just that final reveal. And 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 really the doll is more of a reveal, I think, than the than the Statue of Liberty ends up being. But I I really hadn't appreciated as not a twist until this recent watch. And watching it like that, I kind of went walked away going Oh, that's really not a twist at all. Like this is this is like the the writer. This is the this is the Twilight Zone. This is the yeah. writer giving that ironic um, uh, turn for the for the hero, and only for the sake of the hero's arc, because otherwise the story's really wrapped up to that point. Um, I, and I I really love it. I really love that it's not a twist. I might be I, I, that might be my new thing when when Planet of the Apes comes up, and specifically if that twist comes up, I might I might just start telling people I don't know. Is that really a twist? Yeah, it all, twist it's is? kind of wild. Like so, like for one thing, that was like a a, a later I- introduction to it all. So like yeah. in the original book, it's not Earth. Right. It's it, just a yeah. different planet that has people and has apes, and they just ascend to the position of dominance because humanity inevitably because we suck like take ourselves out and yeah. Yeah. the actual twist at the end of the book is it, the person who is reading the story which is like a message in a bottle kind of thing in space are apes from a, yet a different society yeah. yeah so it's it's just <laughs> this like kind of crazy element of the 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 original story is even more out there um in terms of like well yeah it is different pl- worlds and and all this shit and then someone is like well what 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 if it's not what if what if it's just earth and that makes it so much more poignant yeah yeah you're also delving into things like nuclear uh annihilation which was happening around the time it's uh you had the vietnam war happening at the same time you also had nuclear annihilation you had the bay of pigs happen right before this uh this is uh, a really tumultuous time politically yeah. So mm-hmm. when people are thinking about mutually assured destruction, like this is what they're thinking, <laughs> like society literally wiping itself out. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a really well thought out conversation about all of those themes with really talented people putting it together. Yeah. And then again, when you get to the 2001, it's like, well, you know what would be cool? It sucks that the gorillas are all the mean ones because gorillas are, are notoriously much much more gentle creatures because they're, you know, mega megafauna. Like they're, yeah. they're not afraid of anything. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so what, it, what if it, the chimpanzee was the scary one? Because chimpanzees actually do steal babies and eat them. Like literally in, in like the ones like Real living life, on yeah. the, the border yeah. of like human towns because they eat monkeys and they see ba- human babies as being kind of similar. And in fact, easier to catch. So like chimpanzees Shocking. are really fucking scary. Uh, yeah. Although the <laughs> so, ending of the remake doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. Well, yeah. So, so like what I'm saying is like there's all these like little moments in there that are like, OK, the, the, this is a cool element. Like getting Michael Clark Duncan in like full eight makeup yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Now, oh. Again, they were desperately trying to avoid doing that in the 60s. Uh, so much so that the NAACP came after them being like, hey, you're not hiring enough black actors. And it's like, you you don't want us putting them in gorilla costumes. <laughs> oh, right. damn. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Holy fuck. Yeah, it, yeah. it, was, it was such an like such an awkward position for the original production. And, and the fact is, like, this movie, like, Michael Clark Duncan as, like, your main gorilla character only could happen in the, like, quote unquote post-racial 90s 2000 era yeah uh, before you get into everyone being like oh wait never we, we fuck that that was wrong because like 
imagine someone trying to do that today. Like if all the gorillas were black guys. I mean, it wasn't a racist thing. It's just like he's a big guy. He was a bodybuilder and he had a deep voice. Like that's why he was in the role. It wasn't like he was really hot at that time, too. He was getting. Oh, yeah. He was in like everything. No, I'm not saying that they cast him because he he was black. Like, sorry. Like, no, no, absolutely. The only reason that that wasn't an issue was because of the window of time when they were doing it. Yes. <laughs> it was fine. Um, and again, amazing choice there. Like the, the decision to have the apes actually move like apes. So in addition to the makeup, having like the body language of them, having them knuckle walk is all really like fascinating stuff going on there. Like the use of multiple types of orangutans and like having, you know, like the big jowls and stuff like, like mm. looks fantastic doing, you know, and they're creepy and weird and they throw poop more than the other apes. So yeah, like have them be kind of, kind of the scuzzy ones that all is like yeah no these are cool fun factoids that you can know about apes and then put them into this movie but they're not saying anything on top of that yeah there's no political there's no political element of the remake it's just it he just lands on another planet and he's just kind of trapped there and it just if i can just say my biggest complaint with the remake yeah two things mark Wahlberg, fuck you i hate you (laughs) (laughs) And the other problem I have with the, the remake, why is it so fucking dark? My oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Light the fucking set. I hate when movies do this. I can't stand it. Like, realistic. It's realistic lighting. Fuck you. It's a movie. I need to see <laughs> what the hell I'm looking at, please. Right. I don't care if there's unmotivated light sources. I just want to see what I'm looking at. I hate when movies look like this. Like It's like that fucking nighttime battle in game of thrones like where nobody could see shit where that's can... worse but th- but but yes this Ugh. movie is really bad on, the, on oh, that front god i i the, the color timing of this movie is so piss poor it's so muddy all the time yeah, yeah i was gonna say the daytime Ugh. scenes it's all very like exactly muddy like there there's the uh the cgi brown kind of going on for a lot of the wides and oh yeah just, the, the piss yeah. filter yeah the piss filter we love to we love to bring that up yeah god you know what doesn't look brown? The original movie, which was shot in the 1960s, and looks fucking amazing. Yeah, and like they spend a lot of time in the deserts, and like it still is like ha- like nicely contrasting blue skies within w- like with all of the the orange sands that they're going through. We get, have really good like great like greens when we're in their village, even though there's like all this like stonework. Looks fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, holds up visually. Holds up. This is in the National Film Registry. This is culturally significant it's been remembered it's cherished uh unfortunately all the sequels aren't you know it's just it's really a shame that they just this really should have been a one and done like just just one movie done finished like what what else could you pull out of it and it's just they just didn't pull that much out of it well and i think my my biggest issue with the remake is at its heart what was switched from the original into this like we we kind of did a really good job setting up of about how the original film is so much like a twilight zone episode you know it's got it's got those black mirror societal um uh, counterculture aspects to it and the remake opts to go shakespeare like straight shakespeare like so shakespeare the name of his ship is the oberion i i think they actually just say oberon Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the the I I think the the switch to Shakespeare there allowed for better performances from the actors because like the makeup is amazing and that is definitely what you want to put forward. But to the point that 
that Charlton Heston cameo, like, oh god, what? What an what an insult! You know, I, I'm I'm confused by the scene. Like, it's this very Shakespearean edition with a lore dump with a cameo, but a cameo where he. Th- quotes he's now his an, own line from the original movie but like, but as an ape as if he's like reconsidered his position a, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like <sighs> it, it just rings really weird to me yeah yeah just, it, it would actually have been way more fitting if it was like maurice evans who i believe had passed away by that point uh who yeah was, uh, dr zayas yeah yeah it just <sighs> oh yeah long uh long dead at that point <laughs> like they said there's no political statement being made there's no religious statement being made they have a references to religion within that society but they never really give you a good expansive look at Dude, what it is yeah the references yeah. is where i almost lost my shit re-watching it recently i have not touched this movie in a very very long time yeah uh, so i was unaware how much gladiator lord of the rings uh star wars prequel like there's a lot of early 2000s uh Oscar action winners being yeah. in this and I and I hate to use the pun there but it's kind of perfect. Uh yeah. Just, the, this the really ba- is Gladiator. If I think if you really think about it, it's Gladiator. Well, I don't think it leans enough into those. Like all, all these no, things it you're doesn't. referencing. It does. Like yeah, no that, that's yeah. true. So like because on it's this shades of it. it. It's shades of it but not enough to really say oh yeah, it's that one thing. Uh, well, so what I'll say about this movie is that I the Shakespearean, I think, is a really good ter- reference here because I think ultimately um, this movie stood out to me as just another fantasy movie. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so similar structurally to Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, which is another movie where you're like, wait, but why is it this way? Like, I, like Alice in Wonderland is such a different type of story. It's not a chosen one fight a monster kind of story. It's than really what not they made the movie. into. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, oh, you're just like putting like it's like literally just like the screenwriting 101. Like here, here's your your weird fantasy romp kind of story uh, being in this scenario being put on the Planet of the Apes franchise, which. From that lens, you're like, oh, well, that explains why they don't really care that the humans can talk um, or that they don't really care about some of the dynamics of like the apes or like how it relates to our society or the aping kind of component. It's just, oh, this is Prince Caspian kind of thing. Like, oh, they came to our this land and like dominated kind kind of blah, blah, blah. Like they it, it works that way poorly because it doesn't like that's not this franchise uh and none of right like right. even the even the most like combat oriented ones have never quite lived up to it and frankly like you you can't have as truly an altruistic like protagonist as what we get in in this movie like Wahlberg, while very Wahlberg at all points is like the on paper like now he he cares about all the living things around him, like he might tease you. He's he might be a kind of a bully, but he's like on paper just a good guy. Like Charlton right. Heston's actually more of a misanthrope in the original Planet of the Apes. Like he really oh, hates yeah. humanity. I, he I yeah. really love the way that they portray him and like his at different points he's screaming at people, but he's definitely just dealing with his own thoughts in that moment. Yeah. Like he's just his internal monologue is just going, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, like he he was fully prepared to not see a person again in his life uh, yeah. at yeah. the start of the movie. 
Yeah. I love the twist that he's like, I, I just actively wanted to get away from Earth. I just wanted to get away from people. It's like, what's the big twist? Oh, no, can't leave. You're still here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He can't escape. He can't escape. Well, and, and he yeah. can't escape because he was right about them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He knew he was going to, he knew Earth was going to be destroyed. So he just said, fuck it. I'm bolting. Yeah. He at no point sees any evidence of a nuclear exchange. Like, there is nothing yeah. he sees that actually confirms it. All he knows is that society collapses. And if, if viewed from the lens that the later movies are canon, uh, or rather the circus movies are canon, um, it actually isn't like it's not a nuclear exchange. Uh, it's right. a lot of things, um, but it doesn't matter because he already had assumed that mankind was doomed to destroy themselves. Imagine being the ultimate cynist so much so that you're willing to do the experimental trip that might result in you never seeing humanity again and then being punished with being right for the rest of your life. Yeah. Also, let's be clear. It's not might never see humanity again. Again, I need to emphasize. Yeah. It's not time travel. It is travel time. He is supposed yeah. to be traveling at the speed of light so far away. Time that, dilation. Exactly. Yeah. That everyone he knows and has ever loved will be gone, and that in all likelihood, humanity would be no longer on Earth. So as far... And, and with no way to get home necessarily beyond, like... Oh well, I guess we could head back, and maybe society will be two thousand years ahead of where we were, and we won't understand them at all. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah. he he was convinced that he wouldn't see humanity the way he understood it ever again. Yeah. In that movie, there's no there's no coming back. The only coming back is seeing a society that is so wildly different from the one he came from. It might as well be an alien society anyway. Although I can guarantee He's, right now, this is probably is fairly character. accurate. This is fairly accurate to what's probably going to happen to us in the future. Oh, oh, absolutely. We are not going to make it another 2,000 years. But then you not get the, Mark Not Wahlberg. at the rate we're going. <laughs> but then you get Mark Wahlberg, and he is a generic protagonist in a generic fantasy setting. Oh. Generic kind of orcs, except they have fur. And he doesn't even have an arc. I was paying attention. Yeah, um, yeah. Like they try he, to make him into they try to make him into Russell Crowe from Gladiator, where he's going to lead some kind of uprising or some shit. Where like, does that uprising come? That is the most pulled out of your ass uprising. And also, my biggest <laughs> issue uh, is they the humans can talk in the remake, and that why really hurts it. That really hurts it because not only does it allow for this like half-assed. Uh, like Dune ripoff finale, right? Like the Fremen come out of the desert to join around the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, it is Dune. Fuck, you I know, damn. like, well, but and, it's and, not just that it's Dune. It's Dune is a commentary on this kind of generic story. Dune itself yes, is exactly like it is a satire of this kind of story, and yet, <laughs> and they yeah. use it as like the the linchpin and. Yeah. yeah, so the the fact that the humans I, I love the way in the original they even go out of the way to injure his vocal cords and then tie that back in as potential evidence of tampering against his intelligence. Like that is deeply worked into the plot. That is how that is how you like take things away from your protagonist and then give them back at exactly the right time. Like that's such perfect story pacing and then you, you front it against this other movie where they go no actually not only can all the humans talk but they're just i guess languishing in the fact that monkeys are stronger than them even though there's less of them yeah what? the original yeah. the original has something to say about the conflict between science and religion like the fact that Zaius is both the uh in charge of the science and religious parts of society <laughs> it's just the contradiction are, yeah. there 
Are you Does seeing? It? Are you seeing the stepping stones towards the Matrix from that original movie? Like Rod Sterling being there yeah. is not an accident. That man had his finger on something that we're seeing today, right? And so, yeah, d- that's how you get to the Matrix is through a movie like Planet of the Apes, saying like yeah. Case, like you were saying earlier, the society just continued on without us in the roles. It, like that yeah. is what a yeah. Matrix is. A Matrix is that idea. And, yeah. and they're already talking about it here in 1968. Yeah, and Zayas is totally aware of like, yes, I know man has been around for a long time. I know all this stuff. But he doesn't expose it because if you were to have a society that existed this long and then come out and just say like, oh no, it was all bullshit. We made it all up. Like It's like the Pope walking out onto the cathedral steps and being like, Sorry, we just made all this shit up just so you guys would give us money. It's like it would Dude, just destroy the Catholic religion immediately. It would, be, it would be like if all the conspiracy theorists, like flat earthers, were right about the Anunnaki and like just all of that <laughs> made up sounding stuff just ends up being real. That's exactly what the, the what they're like presenting. Oh god. Yeah. Jesus it, Christ. And that's why that first movie is such an interesting conversation about society. Like, yeah. how would we function in that society? We see what the other apes act like when he talks, because that changes the paradigm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Buck, who is, or, or is... No, sorry, not Buck. Buck is the actor's name, who they named the gorilla in the, fir- in the first Rise movie after. Um, <laughs> blank. I'm blanking on it. But the gorilla that, like, uh, assists um, Zira. Yeah. Um, like, he's so nice to her. He is so friendly. He's, like, this charming blue-collar, like... Like, guy who's just been doing this job for forever, but, like, Zero seems to like him, and they, they have, like, a good rapport, um, because, quote-unquote, he's one of the good ones. Right, um, right. You know, like, like we know that Zero doesn't like gorillas, like, they're all racist to each other, So, but, like, the fact that they've got a good relationship is, is sort of like, oh, I'm again, like, the, you know, the, the racial metaphors are going on here. The mm-hmm. second that Taylor speaks, and every time he interacts with that that handler after that point, he is so unnecessarily violent. He's so unnecessarily cruel. He keeps on shouting, shut up, shut up, you freak. And, like, all of those lines are to, like, convey that, like, this is, like, really challenging his conception of the world. Just yeah. that this, this person is there. Just by existing. Damn. <laughs> feel so apt when we were talking about DeSantis at the top of all this just uh, yeah. scared you know what I mean just genuinely just just scared about the the dynamic shift and, and yeah. that's why he gets so fucking mad that the 2001 remake which like which should be good that right. like it's the most disappointing yeah. Planet of the Apes by far because regard like whatever like the, the original five are the original five. Like the first one was like a shockingly good movie, uh, but no one thought it was going to be good. The second one had to follow up the original Planet of the Apes. Like, what were they going to do? It was going right. to fail no matter what. No one's surprised that it sucks. The third one was like, oh, that's way better than the premise would indicate it as far as a movie goes. And so like, no, again, like you're, you're like kind of surprised. And then when they get to the, the fourth one where they're like, let's do a slave uprising movie like about like double down on the pot yeah yeah like no one thought that was going to be great but then it's really fucking good and then like battle had like like a fifty thousand dollar budget it was tiny uh yeah <laughs> like the yeah. fact that it got made period again is just a miracle so it's like, it's like a fan film parentheses to the epilogue you know what i mean <laughs> basically like like this movie like i don't know if you guys remember when it was when it was coming out, the the marketing push for this movie oh, it looked yeah. so good. The trailers are so good for this movie. Like they they sold this like look at the, this amazing fucking 
makeup that we're using on everyone. Like, it's Tim goddamn Roth. It's Michael Clark Duncan. Like, his, oh, the uh, cast Mark, for this remake is stacked. Holy yeah, shit, yeah. dude. I mean, like, yeah, it's Mark Wahlberg. But, like, but, like, everything looks so goddamn good. The soundtrack is a Danny Elfman score because it's a Tim Burton movie, as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not... It's fine. It's it's not the best score he's ever done. He admits yeah. it. He came in very quickly into production because it was super rushed. But like, yeah. it's fine. It serves its purpose. It sounds pretty good. It's not like it's Danny Elfman. Like wh- when he did Coachella last year and just did like a victory lap of all the shit he's done. Like <laughs> you, you're just like, oh, right. He did. Oh, he did that. Oh, and he did that. Like, so the fact that this is fine, like this is on the better end of like what a movie soundtrack should be. But it's not like good enough for, to like make this movie better than it is. Yeah. Uh, when he was so, at Coachella, did he was it just him or did he have a reunion with Oingo Boingo? It was an Oingo Boingo reunion, but he had like a bunch of because it was Coachella. He had like screens up and he would like do like stuff from Nightmare <laughs> before Christmas. He had like Simpson stuff. Like, oh, like nice. it was, you know, just like again, just giant victory lap. And the fact that he came out of COVID being super swole, uh, like yeah. kind of contributed to this like oh, yeah. like, oh, he's living his best life right now. I see. Okay, cool. Uh it's like <laughs> him and Carrot Top were like, What what the fuck? When did you guys start? lifting weights <laughs> yeah i mean like carrot top like i i think it, it, we all understand why he did that um but but danny Elfman, i just didn't see coming like it was just like he just emerged shirtless like rippling with muscles at 60 and i'm yeah. like oh fuck okay cool um i will but, i will always hate carrot top because he somehow won performer of the year for comedy and beat out bill hicks fuck you okay <laughs> eat shit cocksucker yeah, yeah. But so this movie like looked like it was going to be great. And like Tim Burton at this point had more hits than misses. I think like, oh, he yeah. had an almost perfect track record at this point. He, like he was being touted as like the, the big guy. Like he had no- nothing but like recent successes in mind. Yeah. Like even like his worst movies were still like interesting. Uh, and, and were you know, and he had been really defining of a lot of like kids youths in terms of like these crazy properties and like had done a lot of, fun stuff at that point so we're like oh well yeah it's tim burton and you know it, it's gonna look amazing and like yeah these it's movies tim are burton. fun how could how could it fail well <laughs> and that's the point we just didn't know that, like where he would go and, and again like he's not at like this is around the, the point where he's peaked and we're going to start seeing declines i really like uh big fish which is his next movie and again that's a movie he had something to say and yeah. this movie i feel is just tim burton doing what he does when he's like kind of broadly familiar with the property and is doing it for money uh the way yeah that, this like, feels like a work for hire film for him mm. yeah like it, it feels like a like oh yeah i remember the planet of the, of the apes movies oh yeah there's like time travel right okay okay cool oh and like the damn dirty yeah okay i i got this guys i got this like yeah it's kind a, of the it's same a, way it's like a Batman. highlight reel it's a highlight reel of the original remixed for a modern generation to the point yeah. to the point that i think his childhood sticks out in it just enough that he made that weird love interest storyline in his movie as like fulfillment on the kiss at the end. Yeah, right. Like I don't. I think were he. he did, and, I think he were had he and feelings. Helena Bonham, yeah, were he and him Helen Bonham Carter <laughs> actually together at this point? Oh, I don't recall. I mean, like that that aspect of their history is also very storied. Like when they're officially and officially not together. Um, I yeah. feel like they still work together, even if they're no, not yeah, together. They're, they're it's they, so they weird. Were, <laughs> they were definitely having sex on set. Yeah. The question is, did we know they were having sex on set? Right, exactly. I mean, yeah. Just, like, hey, recommendation. Like, going back to our Don't Worry Darling episode on Film Rescue, please stop fucking your actors. It right. just makes things worse. <laughs> it just makes things worse. 
I, I think he, you can see like his how that kiss made him feel as a kid playing uh-huh. out through the movie in a way that is not in the original. It's just not there. Like she's married, you know. Yeah. And why did they make her hot? What the fuck? Why, yeah. dude? But just ugh, that made me. It just made me feel weird. Like, Bro, yeah. I'm, I, I'm here for. I'm am here I for into furries monkeys. now? Am I into furry porn now because of this? Jesus, Listen, what the fuck? I, I well, love it, it. It's so strange. And like, because like, here's the thing. So, like, the fact that the humans can talk, the fact that the the actual dominant group in this movie are chimpanzees, um, and and just the general sort of like vibe of the series like with the like the striations of society uh mm-hmm. kind of thing like you could have had a way more interesting movie here if you leaned into uh, like the slavery aspect like they're not beasts in this movie they're slaves they're they're house yeah. slaves there are ch- it's chattel slavery it's yeah. like again doing a gladiator movie wouldn't be the worst idea in the world and particularly when you get into the fact that like what what's really weird about the Planet of the Apes movies and is a convention of the fact that science the science is not the important part of this movie uh, or of any of the movies like it's, oh, it's always no, of course it's social commentary here so because apes are have a, a big spread of genetic differences between the different species yeah. and honestly the two most likely to successfully have offspring are chimpanzees and humans not not counting the chimpanzee bonobo situation because like they're right they're also equal like, like it's a big triangle <laughs> on yeah. that one um so the so the fact that we have chimpanzees as the dominant power the fact that there is sexual chemistry presented in it as opposed to the automatic like you're a different species so like it's not my thing yeah. that's going on in the original um it's feeling all a little of bojack that, horseman in here is all i'm saying like, <laughs> you could definitely do a movie that actually deals with sort of like like uh, sorry these are a lot of like really charged terms but like like a rapist society. Like if you had human women as comfort women, like you could do something like a Django Unchained and it, I have no idea who's the right person to make that movie. I like, you know, like I'm not trying to present this as like the type of movie that Tim Burton should take upon himself. But like in terms of like the themes that are present in this movie, the the changes that they made for the sake of either like scientific curiosity, weird factoids that they enjoy, or just to be different from the originals, like, which I, I think is the reason why, they did that in this movie oh, yeah. versus the original. They were just like, we we don't want to deal with a whole movie of just like mute people. We want to have like an action movie fantasy romp. Like See, again, you, you say that. And yeah. They gave Chris Christopherson like six lines in the whole thing. He was basically mute. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they, all these actors that show up in this movie, it's like, they're big name actors. They barely do anything. Like Estella Warren. Why is she here? To be pretty. What? Uh, it's yeah okay for, well and and like think about what that does for an actor's career on the back end all the planet of the apes photos that you get in the makeup and being part of like again like this is still makeup history even if it's not quite film history um mm-hmm. the the remake really really goes out of its way to get those bottom lips functioning um that was that was a huge aspect that they that they saw in that original that you called out there Jesse that the the prosthetics were like cool in the eyes but the mouths weren't functional and they said we're going to do it functional like we're going to keep the eyes we're going to get the mouths functional and they were they were able to pull that off in a in a really cool way um so it's it, I want to at least keep it as a vehicle for the the makeup effects that we got from it like you can tell that's Michael Clark Duncan under that yeah. gorilla mask yeah yeah, and this is a stepping stone to get it to where we are now. Right, right. With uh, the new, with the new trilogy. So you know, it's it, it's 
a necessary evil, I suppose. <laughs> so, I, like, you know. I just don't know if it actually is a necessary evil. Like that. That's well. The, also, the at the same Dur- time, you had the Lord of the Rings films in in production. So these were this is being filmed at the same time Lord of the Rings was being made. So you just see like this massive surge of prosthetics being made at the time mm-hmm. for films, and you know it's it's impressive. Like the, yeah. it is a good set it's a good design for makeup and a good design for costumes it's it's really impressive on that front yeah it, they should have lit their cool shit better you know <laughs> yeah maybe light it Very so true, i can yeah. see it yeah also there's just tons of plot holes in the movie that i pointed it out in our chat when i was watching this i was like so this isn't actually earth they go out of their way to say it's not earth okay that's cool that's much more like the original book that's fine here's the problem uh, so the entire human society is based around just the people that crash landed on that planet, which means that the entire society would become eventually incestuous. There's probably like, what, 20 people that crashed in that ship. Um, the other problem is that where the fuck did all the horses come from? <laughs> yeah, it's like th- they try to present it as being like, oh, yeah, we have like all these animals in space for the testing. And even if it's like a. Uh, they, they never like- state that. They never, they show well, they have apes I, I'm and not, nothing I, more. I know. No, I, I agree. I'm not saying that they say they have the other animals. I'm just saying that they they present at least the ape situation, uh, which is at least like plausible enough that they could have more. I mean, because like generously, it could be something like a like Star Trek Enterprise D where there are big labs and big biospaces and like thousands of people on the ship. Uh, sure. It's probably not that, but uh, but but realistically, it's probably like a few hundred if it is like as remote an outpost as they're presenting on there. And so like, I don't have a huge problem with them, like from a genetic diversity pool, like enough permutations will keep it far enough. Um, But it does come to an issue of like, well, what, what is this place? Like, it's just like a a small community or like they, they've at at one point they say they have cities, plural, but like as far as where exactly, like it's, it's tiny, like the, the overthrow, like, I mean, it feels like a city-state that happens to have, like, a population of humans just on the border, and that's about it. Like, I don't know how much bigger it could be. Like, you know, supposedly the person who is descended from the ape that led the uprising, and it's, like, a confirmed thing that is real in this movie. Like, that one specific, that Simus did the the uprising, which means that that lineage is is still right there. It's not yeah. like, oh, it's so, you know, it, it's not an Adam and Eve scenario where it's so far back or a Noah's Ark type situation. It's it's yeah. way too short of a timeline, not even getting into like how smart they got, how like that quickly. But like, it's way too short of a timeline for them to be a, a population that matters. Like, it just feels yeah. like, oh, like here's all the like all these things that like crash landed on in this like little valley and we're just here kind of thing like it's <laughs> like it's a civilization inside of a biodome kind of situation yeah i had like a mandala effect when i was watching this film the uh, the remake because i watched the the original the new trilogy and i was like okay the main character is caesar i was like oh that's kind of cool i always for some reason cuz this is my first time rewatching the remake since like like 20 years so I kept thinking, oh, the, the ape that lands back at the end of the movie, which, by the way, giant coincidence that he just happens to land at the very time, right when the main characters need to not be killed. What a deus ex machina to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that that chimp was always named uh, Caesar. I was like, oh, it's the same character from the from the uh, the prequel trilogy. It's the same guy. I was like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense, kind of. And if you take out the death of him at the end of the third movie. Um, and it just it's not. And it was just like, why did I? think that was caesar for so because i kept thinking they were trying to tie this in somehow 
and it's not. This is a completely standalone movie. Everyone kind of forgot this thing even existed. We're, if I hadn't actually had this on the list for this season, I would never have chosen to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this movie sucks, okay? Let's get it out of the way. This movie is dog shit. Just, yeah. This is, it, I wouldn't say it's, is it an embarrassment to the original? I mean, not that the not that beneath the Planet of the Apes is an embarrassment, but you it, know. I, I think it, it's, it's a solid misfire. It's a solid. Uh-huh. Um, we we have the same issue with with Snyder, right? Where like him adapting something, he's adding a lot of filmmaking gravitas, like genuinely. And there's a lot of filmmaking gravitas around the the 2001 remake, but he's often misunderstanding the source material yeah. in a way that makes things awkward for the audience. Uh, by the time we get to the end of the story, and and I think Tim Burton has that same thing. He's got his visual palette. He knows like how to capture the movie onto film. But then there's just a there's a loss of fidelity that comes with, especially changing it from like Shakespeare is not uh, societal. Um, it's, it's, he's not talking about society. He's talking about characters and character yeah. archetypes. That's just a different kind of storytelling than your societal you know, uh, commentary on culture. That, yeah, that's then it a, shouldn't be Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes. It should be something totally different. Right, right, exactly. Like, I think I think doing a Shakespeare story in the setting of Planet of the Apes uh, functions, right? Because that's really what we get in in kind of the, the, the next trilogy. It's, it's, a, it's a Moses story set to the beats of Shakespeare. Um, and so it does work. But I think it when when there's nothing else behind it, that's where maybe you're getting that embarrassment, Jesse. That kind of like, wow, if all these movies are swinging to say something, what a nothing to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that time and successive iterations has softened the blow of this movie. Um, it it's kind of I mean, again, the Snyder movie with with all the, with each superhero movie in general, like it, it's hard to get as mad about the bad ones anymore right like, i was yeah <laughs> way angrier about the original green lantern when it came out uh ver- versus now where it's like oh, we'll probably get another one like it's it's fine we'll, we'll, right we'll, we'll get we'll, more it's, we'll see you cool. on the reattempt. you know yeah <laughs> like i mean i i still can't understand like i can't believe that guardians of the galaxy is such a huge hit franchise um considering that I had four separate groups of friends drag me to see it opening weekend. So I saw it four times in like 36 hours uh, so that I can explain who the characters were. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Comic Knowledge Guy. I I wanted to go like twice. By the third time, I was like, this is getting to be a bit much, but okay. By the fourth time, I was like, it's really good, guys. All right, I'll, uh, hang on, hang tight. <laughs> like, you, can't get, you, you can't, you can't get mad if I over-explain something right now. <laughs> right. Is this the third one or the first one? <laughs> uh, talking about the first one when it came out, because no one oh, knew who any of these yeah. characters were. Like, oh, there's yeah. a tree guy. There's a raccoon with guns. Like, it. You know, trying to explain this all and like trying to like the the Zandarian Nova Corps. Like that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the the Guardians movies, and it's amazing that like the franchise exists period. So like, mm. I don't get mad that there's older ones that are bad, even if it's with characters I really like. So 
likewise, this movie, I was really mad. This is the first movie where I genuinely remember being disappointed walking out that I had gone into something so excited for a project and been so burned by it. Mm. Um, yeah. But I felt I felt kind of the same way walking out of Star Trek Into Darkness. I was like, wow, yeah, that really yeah. pissed me off in every way. But wow. now we're getting second season of Strange New Worlds and it feels like, oh, yeah, there's actually like quite a bit of good Star Trek out there. Oh, now. yeah. I would like, argue it, that. Picard season three was fucking good. That well, was well, but what I'm saying is like that's the point. Like there and there's something for everyone because there's such different varieties that they're putting out there. You know, if you would prefer yeah. like just referential humor, like there's uh, uh lower lower decks. Sorry, my wife and I also watch Below Deck, uh, and so like yeah. I get the names mixed up all the time. Right. <laughs> Here's the way to judge Star Trek now. There's the Alex Kurtzman stuff and the Terry Metalis stuff. Alex Kurtzman stuff is shit. Terry Metalis is really good. That's where you define things. I'm not going to you, you brought up <laughs> Star Trek to the Star Trek guy in the last five minutes of your podcast. You yes. opened a can of worms. You might have to invite him back for a Star Trek split the difference. Uh, oh, yeah. I, sh- I should point out that uh, I do work with Starship Farragut, so we're currently making a movie, like an 80s movie era Star Trek fan film called Farragut Forward. Hell yeah. Uh Oh, do you know... um? Oh God! What? What? Fuck! What's his name? Fuck! What? John? You know John, right? Broughton? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know John. I know John. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, he asked me to jump on and help out, but I ended up moving to New York last year, so I wasn't working. I wasn't able. To oh, work okay. then we would have worked together. I, um, uh, up until I just had a baby, so I'm on paternity leave from the production. But I was the production manager. Oh uh, shit! And no way. One of the producers. Yeah. So like. I was. Like, yeah, we're on. Okay, cool. Small world. Small Small world world indeed. Um, And that that is the problem of the 2001 Planet of the Ace movie. It is such a tiny world that we're looking at with no political stakes for anything. Nice segue. There's a lot of really good, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff for it. Again, the slavery metaphors could have been way stronger. We could have gotten to weird racial divides when we have species lines for it. Like, I mean, I'm not not advocating for us to get like a chimp-human hybrid in this, but like I could see... yeah. I could see sexual assault from a chimpanzee being an actual theme if you wanted to do those kind of dark elements. And again, that's it's, it's a big leap for a Planet of the Apes movie to, to go that dark. But well, didn't they show the apes? Didn't they show the apes at one point like smoking, uh, like smoking pot or something? Like, oh yeah, yeah, a... yeah. And there, there's like, others that are like clearly drinking. Like yeah, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that. What was that? Remember what was that piece of shit movie that was on Netflix? Was it Bright? Remember that? Ah. Oh God, yeah. But that's yes, yes. So like where it's like here's the fantasy elements, but let's make it mundane, but in the worst yeah. way possible. Like it's not yes. a lived-in fantasy world. It's just like swapping the, out things one to one for equating things one to one. Yeah, it's like it, with like yeah. a, a these damn kids kind of element to it. Yeah, but the original does that one to one, but it does it so well because. It has something to say about it. Right. Right. Whereas with Bright and the 2001 remake have nothing to say about it. Right. That's the, that's the problem. There's no point. There's no point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not even a, a like your religion is, is bullshit because it's it, it like it exists in this movie, but like it's not hammering at home. It's not saying anything about human societies, religions, right. like aside, aside from the fact that like there's no conception of religion in any society that the West can produce that isn't just Christianity or like Judeo Christian. Right. Like it's it's always yeah. here's a messiah. Here's our one God. Like there's never any like real like how like again, if we want to deal with like religion with like the apes like and have them not like just like mimicking our own society or having like lawgiver or anything like that from the from the originals like 
have animist gods have a god of each of their uh, of their respective tribes or whatever you want to call it like like have a society that is innately different i mean they they wanted to model the apes after roman civilization like there's a lot of art like yeah uh, yeah so while i don't like this movie i have listened to all the commentary tracks on the dvd uh because i'm i am me um and, and there's a lot of conversation about, like, trying to emulate, like, Roman-style art. Uh, like, the original movie has a very, like, colonial period kind of level of technology and fashion. Um, and it, the thought was, like, let's do this a little bit further back in the progression. Like, they're a little bit more, um, like, medieval in their kind of construction. Um, yeah. I, I realize that. But you know what I mean. Like, the, yeah. in terms of, like, okay, so yeah. it's, a, it's a, you know, cavalry-based spear with with some metal armor kind of thing. It's, it's not exactly Bronze Age. It's a little bit more advanced, probably. Um, but it's with all these like kind of ape elements to it. Like you could have done really fucking cool things with their society. Like you could have had stuff about the different, like different deities for the different groups. You could have had element, like you could have done things with it that were built around ape society and not just been like, well, but what if we just do like a fantasy town? That's just like kind of, kind of tree themed. Like, like a rainforest cafe yeah, yeah. version of like medieval town in no, your D&D game. No, not rainforest cafe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you, that that sounds like a rich, deep background lore. There, case no, you're you're telling me you didn't like Kalima. That that didn't really run at home for you. It's God, yeah. Rewatching it today, I was just like, this fucking movie. Every <laughs> everything you can see coming a, a mile away, right. like. Uh, and let's all right let's talk about Wahlberg for a second like oh uh, do we have so to? yes <laughs> all right so he, like when we did the another pass episode on this i suggested be mind you my show has been running for a decent amount of time i suggested at the time of production what if they had uh, cast johnny depp because that would have made a lot of sense and, <laughs> yeah okay pre-johnny this Got was it. several years ago when we were talking about it uh i have traditionally been a big fan of his his earlier filmography yeah absolutely i didn't think this i did not think this was a terrible idea we hadn't heard about just like how whatever the fuck is going on with that relationship with amber heard so like not like was not able to like weigh in or was not thinking about any of that at that point sure um but it was like oh wouldn't that be more interesting because he would be a different kind of character like the kind of like um uh model of masculinity that they were trying to present with Wahlberg. uh isn't really interesting or effective. He he doesn't nothing apes. He doesn't hate apes, and he doesn't really like apes. Like he kind of is this like weird neutral on it, but where like even just like true nothing, which is what like Heston like the nihilist kind of component for it. Yeah, was Bar like Wahlberg is kind of like an empty vessel to dump the plot into. Yeah, he's like whatever the plot needs to be apes, at that time yeah. to not know shit about apes. You know, right. like he he's working with them all the time. He's friends with one of them. He goes to save one of them or kind of goes to save one of them. Is he a scientist? To... Like, that's the thing. It, it doesn't what the make fuck sense. is he? Why is he there? He He's a military like pilot type thing. But like he kind of is a scientist or at least working in a scientist like scientific field, even if he's just like the 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 cool, you know, the man's man astronaut. But like most of the astronauts are still like mathematicians like. Yeah. The, again, the problem is that like he's too much of that, and they're not leaning into to him being an interested person in the world that he is observing. Like if, like I I had a reckoning with Congo recently where I was like, oh, this is actually a much better movie than I, than I <laughs> given credit for. It's um, cute. It's very cute. I I liked it. 
Like, go back if, to season five of Film Rescue. The, <laughs> the, the the Ferris wheel of pain is what we call that season. The 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 taking on like the, the taking the lens of it being like a, a a classic pulp fiction kind of like jungle adventure story. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, I'm here for this, even though the graphics are terrible. Um, if we had this, like, I, I forget the doctor's name, the one who was the ape, the one who was the dad or the grandfather on on Superman and Lois. Um, if if we had like that type of a character who is actually interested in apes and gets to the society and is like horrified by it. Like that would yeah. be really interesting. Or if he fucking hated apes, there would be a story there. Like if he's like, we're using them as test pilots, they fucking suck. Like, like really hates it, but he doesn't really hate them. Like he kind of like, again, he like kind of nothings them, but he's interacting with them enough that he should have an emotional investment as opposed to Heston who has no real connection to apes period. Like there, there's no like, thematic reason that they show up for him when he gets to back to earth in the original right. like it just happens to be the thing that's there and it's just like this is so depressing and fucked up and i didn't see it coming whereas like i i, I feel like Wahlberg would have like at least some kind of nightmare or dream about interacting with with apes so much in outer space like yeah what what is this man's perspective he he lives on a space station in a different solar system i forget if they say it's a different galaxy or not because science in this movie is fucked so i'm, I'm <laughs> not, i do not remember this part it's but it is like a very star trek future like imagine any star trek character in this situation and that would have been really fucking interesting if this was an away mission for like riker like who is like this model of masculinity like think like season three riker stuck on the planet of the apes like that would have been a really interesting move like ah, movie. yeah so push from, it just even more forward yeah yeah like have him be challenged about his views of the world he's like a military guy who understands you have to get your hands dirty sometimes but doesn't necessarily want to get too violent and oh man these apes well i guess we're gonna have to fight them uh i well i'm proficient with fighting and guns and and all this stuff so i'm I'm pretty good at this like we're not even doing like the aliens situation where like the less advanced society is like surprising the overconfident person like if he arrived and he thought like if, if, if he didn't immediately lose all this shit and he thought he was was hot shit with his gear and then like couldn't deal with them like i guess i guess what i'm saying is make this movie aliens but with like time traveling humans into a monkey society like if he landed with a bunch of people like that would have been a really thematic element of the character being like oh our technology isn't sufficient to override this oh maybe mm. we're just as bad as these apes maybe these apes learned it from us you know like some something you know what i could deal with in in one of these movies i don't know if they'll ever get back to the sci-fi elements what if the human team met the apes first and it was like a first contact situation and then they slowly the apes have to like show off that they too have humans and uh don't and and then it's like a commentary on our society if we were contacted by aliens you know like yeah we, we need to clean up real quick guys because the aliens are here and they've got questions about why we're eating animals and why we're murdering each other you know what i mean like i, I think that could be a really interesting if you're not if you don't want to do the the racial thing at least do like a kind of a societal uh, commentary on like yeah are we even ready to talk to aliens is this a question that we're equipped for you could have a really good time with that yeah i would i would argue that the book has elements of those and i would i would also argue that in as a result escape kind of does that to a degree yeah because while at first they are mistaken for being uh conventional apes they're they're mistaken for being like uh scientific test apes so they're the while 
while there's a very dumb interaction with a gorilla that I don't want to go too much into right now, like <laughs> the aside from that, the second they re- like they reveal they can speak immediately and they're taken in pretty well and at first are shown like, look at how great society is. Right. And then the rest of the movie is them coming to understand that like actually human society is not better than the one they came from. Like it's decided, oh, we're going to sterilize Zira. We're going to potentially kill the child that we're having. Yeah. Like we're we're going to do all of this terrible stuff to the world that we're existing in uh, or, or to like to the people like so that the world that that they had taken for granted as being celebrities like they were getting the best of humanity and that then they're still betrayed by it like yeah like i think that that's what you're talking about we just haven't had that in like a modern movie that well and not with like the humans the human characters centered on it you know what i mean yeah but and that would be really that that would be actually really like twilight zone like humans arrive on a planet find meet the apes and 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 try to interact but it's just Oh, what's the secret that you're keeping from us? What's this other secret that you're keeping from right. us? Like that could have been that like that could have been like the halfway movie twist where it's like, oh, you have oh, you have human slaves. Or or you, like what if the apes were there to greet them as they arrive from the and like, hey, we maintain the storyline from the humans. We we knew you were coming. We are here to receive you, and we have society perfect now. We've got it. And then it's mm-hmm. the slow reveal of this utopia is not a utopia. Um, that could be really interesting. Another way they could do it, if you wanted to make make it look more like a Twilight Zone episode in the remake, have them actually travel through that time vortex, wherever the hell it is, like with a whole crew of people, and they land and they interact with the apes, and then they come back and they say, "Hey, we found this whole group, this society of apes, and it's all this great. Let's bring our ship forward." And then they crash land, and they realize, "Oh, the apes are actually our ancestors. <laughs> They're interacting with their future selves, like like ah. thirty generations oh, yeah. down the line." <laughs> <laughs> so they are their own self-fulfilling prophecy interesting yeah i've seen i've seen versions of stories like that and like some twilight zone episodes that that hit very similar ones so there's like one where it's like an astronaut lands on a planet meets like a a different woman who seems to be mute uh and it turns out that they're adam and eve and like it's the start of earth kind of thing um oh nice oh. yeah like that would be yeah that would absolutely be like kind of a fun thing like they <laughs> It's kind of uh, kind of uh, the end of Battlestar Galactica to yeah. a certain degree. Oh <laughs> God! Don't remind me of that fucking ending. Fuck that I, ending. Everything it, in that show was great until that last episode. Fuck you. It's not even the last episode. It's when it's when they make the jump. Like the the actual like siege when the when the Galactica like arrives. Oh and, yeah, like, and it's what is it? It's um they're playing the song uh all along the watchtower and it's like those are the punch codes to get to Earth's coordinates. It's like yeah, that's where it's all of a sudden it's just like oh no, never mind. <laughs> like what what is God happening? God did it. God saved us. Oh, eat shit. God, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And I always love God in my sci-fi. That's so fun. Yeah. That first like three seasons is like hard sci-fi, and then they just jump into the religious shit because the writer strike happened, yeah. and then they said, "Well, we rewrote the whole back half of the season, and this is what you came up with." Well, yep, <laughs> this is the best you had. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Oh. Uh, there must be some kind of way out of here," said the Joker to the podcasters. Um, let's get back to the apes stuff. Just yeah, <laughs> that's the movie we we're talking. <laughs> well, about. Well, we're we're over an hour at this point. I think we're yeah. kind of like we're we're kind of like I think we've established the original is amazing. The remake is dog shit. The, yeah, maybe maybe watch it as like a a morbid curiosity. Uh, the remake is frustrating. That's that's its worst. Aspect. It's infuriating. Yeah, infuriating. it's certainly worth. 
observing just for the makeup uh, and seeing how good that was. But like, honestly, yeah. the, the rest of the franchise works so well together. In fact, there's even like, I, I have a headcanon for like how all of the movies fit aside from this one, which by its very nature has to be a separate movie. Like, yeah, the, the prequels all work leading up to the original because in Rise, they reference uh, the Icarus leaving Earth yeah. uh, and, and them losing contact with it. So you could allow for like, if Heston just like left in like, 2012 instead of in like <laughs> the, the 60s um like you, you, that, something like 70, that. yeah yeah it's like it's like three years in the future or something when they actually like leave yeah um yeah so if he like left in like you know the 2010s and then uh like we we have the caesar uprising as it is uh and then he he lands and then there actually is time travel back and then like that creates the forked timeline with the different caesar leading the different uprising kind of situation it, it works as as one continuity mm. um this this movie is, is is separate and like i said they gave worth, us that favor it. they they did give us that favor yeah like it, it it exists there's some good stuff in it it is not a good movie if you're trying to rest like your faith in the franchise on it don't um that said, I am surprised to find how many people have never seen the original Planet of the Apes. Uh, my boss, I, I was telling him about the reverse marathon we did, and I referenced the Simpsons number because we did an animated version of us, or, or it's like a slideshow, but like we, I, we we did a fully orchestrated, like all of the podcasters on my network doing the Stop the Planet of the Apes, I Want to Get Off uh, song from the <laughs> Simpsons, uh, which you can find on our YouTube channel. <laughs> it was like the after credits for the uh, the, the actual episode for uh, Planet of the Apes, but then full, full video version of that. Uh, but he was like, oh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, you, I mean, you know the like the, the main twist, right? And he's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, wait, you have no idea what anything in Planet of the Apes? He's like, it's a planet with apes? I'm like... Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Here's my Blu-ray set. Please watch the first movie. Look up anything, and then tell me what happens when you watch it. <laughs> Damn! Uh, I'm so excited for this, but you do have to sell. It's a slow burn. Like my most recent rewatch yeah. of the original is like, oh, it's so fucking long before we actually see an ape. Like it's like a half hour. Oh yeah, and it's incredible well, it does establish we get... how it does establish how desolate the planet is. So oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, like, it, I'm fine it with makes it. them feel like so lost. They lose so much as a result of it, and we get such really good character stuff. Like, uh, like I uh, because I had seen this movie a lot, and like oftentimes like on TV, I kind of didn't really care that much about the other two astronauts, and then doing this like real watch where it's like this is your introduction to the movie like to the like to the world as a whole like yeah. these three guys and you don't i mean charlton heston's obviously the main character but like you don't know who's going to be important in this movie and it's like oh you actually do get a lot of stuff with these characters and their absence feels very poignant from that point on like 30 minutes into the movie all of a sudden it's one guy and he's got like no one he can really trust for the for the rest of the movie like even zero is not someone he can truly trust uh, and it's so incredibly desolate and yeah. painful that I really recommend it. But it is a movie that you you cannot be going in and being like, this is going to be fun unless just the ape part of it is really fun, which it is. But like, that's not what that like. That's that's what the 2001 movie is trying to be. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, it, this is just like a fun romp with fucking monkeys, man. Whereas like the original is like, no, man, you are going to learn about yeah. what happens when someone just pretends to be human. Yeah. It has something to say. Yeah. Whereas the remake doesn't really have anything to say. Right. So. So yeah, original masterpiece. A remake, uh kind of sticky dog poo. <laughs> so 
I mean, here's here's the big question. How many of these movies are actually worth watching? I would say the new trilogy, definitely worth watching, even if the first one's kind of like, it's fine, but not great. Yeah, I'd say the, the new trilogy. I would say six. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd give it six to, as well. Like, th- three out of five of the original series are, like, really fun. Yeah. The, the, I mean, they're old movies. Like, the, like, we're recommending this for anybody who's has the, yeah. the time of day for watching old movies. But the, They made them very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, they're at least six. Um, and, yeah. And, Honestly, I, I if if there were if the performances weren't actually good in the remake, I would I would think the remake would be so bad it's good. Like that's what it would become. Like holy shit, it's like cats. <laughs> Fortunately, the actors really do a good job saving the movie. So like I don't know, the remake even teeters for me as far as like if you're going to watch all of them, you might as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's watchable. Like that's yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing is like, oh, yeah, I mean, like the movie is dumb. It's dark. I mean, like color wise dark. Um, but again, it all looks so good. Like when you can see it, <laughs> uh, yeah, like all, all the makeup when you can and everything. See it. Like, yeah, when you can see it, that that's all great. They're, and they're very creative elements that they're putting in spots. The way that the cavalry is laid out with like the chimpanzees, like knuckle walking versus like gorillas who aren't going to be able to move as fast, like riding the horses more frequently, like good good choices like, like lots of really cool things there there's fun wire work it might be too much um, oh yeah the crouching tiger hidden dragon of it all yeah but you know what like it's still again it's still watchable meanwhile yeah. it's but it's not it's not good so if you're gonna watch them all sure wa- watch them all and yeah probably watch this one before you watch beneath or battle unless you're really coming from a like historical significance kind of approach to it yeah. um but but yeah like the original is a slow burn that's painful but it's really like it's just really good. Um, Escape is really fun. Like it, it's it's a comedy. It has a shockingly dark ending for how funny it is up until that point. But it's it's there. Conquest is fucking brutal. It's also very quick. It's like yeah. ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, it it is a blink and you'll miss it. But you'll have witnessed a very hard to watch, but very like like good like slave uprising movie. Yeah. And then the circus trilogy is amazing. Like like I would probably say Dawn's my favorite of them, but I I kind of vacillate between all three of them. Like they're they're also good for different reasons. Like Rise I think is such a fun like sci-fi movie with like, with like the most it it capitalizes the most on the fun of the ape uprising like with the like the siege of the of uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. Like yeah. I think that's incredible. Uh Dawn has the best like drama between everyone. And then War actually as like wrapping up everything and getting so many deep cut lore references all put together and being like, "Here, are you are you fucking happy? We've got everything. We we tied it <laughs> up all for you and Moses." Right. Uh, <laughs> Like, like all all six of those, I think, are really great movies and could be watched in, you know, whatever order you kind of want to watch them in. Uh, minus, like, like, watch the trilogy in the trilogy order and watch the original yeah. kind of in there. There's, a, uh, there's also a bunch of comic books as well that have existed for a long time. They kind of tell side stories. And Marvel's doing a new one right now. They got the rights. Uh, yeah, so there's yeah. A new, there's, there's a new series that's being written right now. I think as far as I know... It's set in modern day uh, right now, where it's like the apes kind of uprising. It's like it's it's. I meant this. I think it's meant to tie into the new movies, not the older ones, huh. as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a reason this franchise was popular. Like, it, yeah, it, are, they're yeah. not all winners, but there's enough of them that are winners that you actually can walk away being like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, is the original book worth reading? I know it's very quick. Is it worth reading? It's been a while since I read it, so I don't remember how it, good it it's was. translated from French. So it's it's not particularly um like 
tightly written, but uh, it's it's a good read. I enjoy it a lot. It's pulp, like it's very much like John Carpenter, oh. like you're stepping into another world uh, that's not in outer space because they didn't quite understand all that quite yet. Like it's it's very different. It's it's not it's not the adventure or it, it's not the um the sci-fi aspect that that they really instilled uh, into the movies. It's it's much more like fantasy adventure. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, there you go. There's your recommendations and uh, your non-recommendations. So <laughs> we have more good ones than bad ones. So there you go. Uh, so going into our next episode, we're talking about Scarface. Uh, that's going to be a fun oh, one. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> I have never seen the original. I've seen the remake a bunch of times. And uh, I think that's another episode where we're going to have to play Is It Racist? We're going to have to play that game oh, again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is it racist <laughs> so but yeah thank you guys for jumping on especially you case thank you for bringing yeah. your knowledge to this yeah because we we needed an expert i've seen only a couple of these movies so i we needed an expert to come on and talk about these we had to call a planet of the apes guy <laughs> yes I, I, I am happy to add that to my my list of brands so yeah yeah and now that we know that you're also the star trek guy we'll probably bring you back to talk about star trek and darkness at some point uh, when we start a film rescue Hell yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 have covered most of the Star Trek movies at this point on another pass. Um, the Into Darkness one, we got mad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, we're gonna get mad too. Yeah. It opens up season nine of Film Rescue in about a month. <laughs> I will be happy to uh, to to chat about that one because uh, I, I love oh. chatting. Like like I love chatting movies. Uh, again, I've got two podcasts which often do movie stuff uh, because. Another pass is always movies. It's uh, it's talking about movies and that we find fascinating but flawed, and how we would have fixed them at the time of production, uh, or the ones that like got over some big production issues. And it's like, oh, here's a proof of concept. Uh, we do this every five episodes. And then Men of Steel is a Superman and Superman adjacent show, uh, of which oftentimes we are talking about Superman movies or other superhero movies because we just love discussing the archetype from a really positive perspective. Like we don't want it to be a bitch fest. We, we don't want to be mad about things. It was really coming from this like, oh, a lot of people aren't really vocal fans of Superman the way Batman or the Punisher or all these like characters have, have gotten now. Uh, but like, I, I really like that archetype and I really want to explore it. And I want to say like, this is fun and this is something I enjoy looking at and here are the reasons why. And here's kind of a list of things that I have enjoyed. Like each, each one is an episode of me being like, this is a, a, a property I want to talk about. Because it's either important or because I really like it. Wholesome Superman. There are dozens of us fans out here. Dozens. Uh, James, fix it, please. (laughs) Give us good Superman again. Please. If he saves a cat, I will screech in the theater. (laughs) I will love it. I will love it. I will audibly screech in the theater if he saves a cat. (laughs) The the only thing that's going to make me sad is I do really like uh, Tyler Hecklin. As, as Superman, and it it will be a bummer yeah, for him not yeah. to be the canon Superman. But but I don't make a really big deal about that one. So you know, you know, m- m- maybe some people could calm down. Uh, <laughs> what an adult yeah. way to approach your relationship to superheroes, Case. I'm so proud yeah. of you. <laughs> uh, so we're getting off in the weeds. We're talking about a totally different yeah, things. Let's wrap so this let's, up. let's let's. Let's wrap it up. Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. So there's your recommendations for Planet of the Apes. Original is Masterpiece. Watch some of those movies if you get the time. Uh, remake as a morbid curiosity. There's some good stuff in it, but more bad than good. Mm. So 
The next episode, we're talking about Scarface. We're getting into the penultimate episode of the season. Ooh, you're gonna, you're gonna love what the last episode of the season is. Ooh. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> and with that, good night. Good night. Good night.